0: there and welcome back to the show this is brett and you are listening to holistic health masterclass podcast um boy where to start with all of this um first of all before i get into what today's episode is actually about um let me just say first of all that this is probably one of the most important episodes that i've ever done and i think it's going to be quite um shocking for people, but I also think that it's, uh, hopefully anyway, it's going to be quite liberating for people. Um, before I get into that, I, I just want to first of all thank those of you who have messaged me. Um, I've received a ton of emails and Facebook messages and uh, Instagram messages and so on, just thanking me for speaking up. And um you know, it's not easy um, and, and I know that for a lot of you listening, it's not easy because we do feel isolated. We feel ostracized by our peers, our friends, our family and um, it's very difficult to, to go against the grain, you know. But, but what I want to say on that is, um, you know, at time of recording anyway, last weekend there was a million people. There were a million people in London, England that came out to protest Many of the things that we've spoken about on the show and that are coming up in this particular episode. And when I reached out to my friends that were in the UK and I said, hey, man, did you go down to London? Did, were you there? And they, some of them said yes. Um, but one, one friend of mine, you know, he said something that really kind of stuck with me. And he said, what is going on here is catching like fire. He said people have been so afraid to speak out and now that there's more people starting to speak out and now that there's more crowds that are gathering in the streets, those people that were on the fence or were too scared are now feeling more comfortable to come forward. And, and speak what they know in their heart to be true or what they see going on around them. So, um, yeah, so I, I just want to give you that as a, as a glimmer of hope and, and don't, um, you know, I know that the screws are getting tightened here big time, right? And obviously, I'm speaking from a Canadian-centric perspective now. But these, this is happening in many other countries in the world, all right? Um, Israel is a very good example of, of what's happening there right now. And, and Canada is kind of falling in. Um, falling in line um, behind Israel uh, right now. Anyway, I don't want to get, go on a tangent on that um, in this particular episode. Um, so first of all, thank you. All right. So so thank you for those of you who have sent me messages. Um, it keeps me going. It helps to keep me inspired and motivated. And, uh, you know, I'm just like you. I'm, I'm a human being. Um, I have my good days. I have my bad days. I have days where this just sucks and then I have other days where I feel super super pumped and charged that uh, where we're going is is actually going to be okay all right. Now in this particular episode I've got my friends um, Carrie and Nicole. Uh, they are from 369 media. Um, you know, we kind of connected with each other near the beginning of the pandemic, I would say. So going back like 14 months now, and we just kind of kept in touch, you know. But I'll say that the work that they're doing is, is absolutely incredible. And the information that they've uncovered is, is truly next level. And um, I think that once you hear what we have to say on this episode, um, I think it's going to give you a lot of hope, To be to be perfectly honest. Now, is what we're talking about easy? No, it's not right? But I think that everyone at this point in time is looking for a way out, right? How do we get out of the predicament that we find ourselves in now? Um, You know, a lot of people are championing vaccines, right? So so if you speak to most people, the number one reason for getting the vaccine is not so much that they're afraid of COVID, it's because they want everything to go back to normal, right? So I get that everyone wants wants things to go back to normal, but I think we need to really recognize that we're not going to go back to normal all right whatever normal is and normal wasn't really working in the first place all right so there's a lot of things in the system that were broken that are broken and i don't want to dwell on that for the the purpose of this particular podcast episode okay so um i want to give you some high level notes of what you can expect in this particular episode okay um we open up, and this is very, very, very concerning for what is happening here right now. We open up talking about the Emergency Act. Okay, The Emergency Act is something that has been pitched by... Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, he's pitched it to all of the premiers, Um, they rejected it, but now we have the NDP leader who's personally written, well publicly actually, because he posted it on Twitter, he's publicly written to Justin Trudeau saying that we want to enact the Emergency Act, right, we want to bring that in. And in this episode, um, I talk about the Emergency Act and what exactly that means, right, and you know, you should be terrified, to, to be brutally honest, you should be terrified, because some of the measures that are in there are, have nothing to do with stopping a virus, right? Remember, that's why all of this is going on, because we want to stop a virus, right? So, I want you to pay close attention to what is exactly in the Emergency Act. I'm going to throw some links down in the show notes for you as well, so you can check them out. Um and then I want you to question why, like why the emergency act right now, because on the surface, it seemed like it, right, it might really help to, you know, flatten the curve and all the rest of it uh, that we hear on the news. But in reality, the the other things that are not spoken about, seizure of assets, seizure of property, um, increased police powers. Uh, there's a lot of things in there that extend way beyond just limiting travel and keeping people at home under stay-at-home orders, all right? So pay close attention to that. Now, um, since I recorded this, which was a few days ago now, um, obviously everything is evolving here at breakneck speed. We now also have, and I'll just throw this in there because I want you to really understand the gravity of what we're talking about. We now have Bill C-10 that has been thrown on the table. And Bill C-10 essentially will be the harshest censorship that we have yet faced in Canada. And that, will, that is essentially, right in a nutshell, it is censoring what people can post on social media. Okay, so full control over the internet. So I want you to think about what's going on here, right? We have, um, you know, I've spoken ad nauseum at this point on faulty PCR tests, on genetic sequences that have been computer modeled. Um, you know, I won't even get into the hospital data, but I'm starting to see more and more about hospital data that is just not accurate, right? Especially if you look at it year over year. So not denying that hospitals are necessarily full, but we need to look at that, that in the context of every other year. Have we seen an increase? Are they more full than 2018, 2019? Are they full with COVID patients, right? So once you start digging into the data, there's a lot of things that are not quite adding up. Now layer on the emergency act, which is essentially martial law, and then add to that censorship and geofencing where we are not allowed to travel potentially now under this emergency act even between towns and cities, okay? We've got stop and see- and search uh, seizure powers by the police, right? No warrant required, okay? So this is where we are heading, okay? And I don't care to discuss the roots and the origins, okay? Because I've had some people that have tried to harp on about that uh, with me at so- uh, on social media. That's really beyond the point here, okay? The point is not to diagnose where all of this comes from. Yes, it's part of it. I want to laser focus on where we're at, where we're going, and what we can do, okay? Now, um the good news right the good news here and this is really the crux of this episode is how do we reclaim our power from a legal standpoint right my inalienable rights as a person as a man as a woman as a person right how do i how do i do that and that is really where 369 media comes into the fold and um you know i don't want to spoil it for you but essentially we need to ask ourselves what you know how how am i in this world how am i in this world am i a a human being or a person an individual or am i considered a legal entity and what you're going to find is that we are basically considered Legal entities. So once we are born and we have a birth certificate that is now, um, you know, that's signed, we have a driver's license, we have a health card, we have all of the, a passport, all of these official documents, what now happens is we are essentially engaging in legal contracts between yourself, the corporation of whoever, right, the corporation of Brett, and the corporation of Canada, the corporation of Ontario, the corporation of Quebec, etc., the corporation of public health. Okay, and so what you're going to find is once you start shifting that around and you reclaim your sovereignty in the true sense of the word, this does not mean that we're going back to loincloths, we're going hunting with a bow and arrow in the woods and we're never going to see, you know, um, modern civilization again. That is not what we're talking about. We're actually talking about how to shift things within the system, using the system and changing the way that you show up, changing the way that you present yourself and now you're actually able to protect yourself. Okay, that's the short end of the story. Obviously, there's a lot more to it, and that is what we dive into here um, on the show. Um, right, so um, that's a big part of it, right? The other thing that was uncovered on the show, which is is kind of crazy, and I'm appealing right now. If you've listened this far, um, you know, please share this episode with lawyers. Um, we, we need legal eyes on what I'm about to tell you right now because I don't I don't fully comprehend it. I don't think that Kerry and Nicole fully comprehend it either. So we're kind of looking at what we're seeing and then we're sort of going, well, the logical conclusion is this. But we need lawyers. We need constitutional lawyers. We need lawyers to actually look at this. The first thing is that the Charter of Rights and Freedoms was removed Okay, for quite some time. It was not on the government website. It wasn't anywhere. And literally, while we were recording this episode, it came back online. I have yet to see if there have been any minor changes to that. um, But the reason why I'm bringing that up is the other thing that's happened is there have actually been changes to the Canadian Constitution. And um, I I don't know the numbers exactly, but essentially we've seen 12 sections that have been removed out of the Canadian Constitution. Now, as you're going to hear on this episode, there's a lot more to that story. But the question now becomes... Is the constitution and the document that we are all supposed to be flying under, is this actually enacted or is it not? And that's the question that we have, right? So are we, and this is what we suggest, we actually suggest that we are operating without a constitution, which is very, very crazy if you think about it, because the implications of that really mean twofold. There's two two implications generally. One... Are the lockdown measures, the stay at home orders, the police seizures, et cetera, et cetera, are these actually lawful? Right? Are they allowed to do that? Second of all, if we're operating without a constitution, where does that put me as an individual? Right. Do I now have to abide by these? Do I not have to abide by them? What are the repercussions? So there's a lot of muddy waters here and this is why I say if you know any lawyers or constitutional lawyers, please get them to listen to this episode and please get them to check out the resources in uh, the show notes. Okay, so this for me Okay, and I know this might go over some people's heads or it might be kind of dry or you might not want to listen to this. But I feel that this is absolutely vital information and for me, this is, um, honestly, this is a bombshell episode for, for me. Because once you understand what's going on here and once you can see the way to secure yourself, your family, your assets, your children, okay, all of these things are property, once we can secure all of those things, all of a sudden, We are essentially using almost like martial arts and kung fu um, type of dynamics to peacefully, right? To peacefully keep our lives, right? Keep them the way they are, go back to normal, quote unquote, right? And now we have some type of protection. Right where your children cannot be seized, where your children and yourself do not have to be forced vaccinated, etc., etc. So this is a very, very powerful podcast. I strongly encourage you to check out the resources in the show notes. Hop onto three six nine media. I just started their course today, or right, uh, sorry yesterday, and uh, I'm now actually learning how to reclaim my sovereignty. Right, which is which is a pretty crazy thing. Um, and never in a million years did I even think that I would get here. to to be perfectly honest and uh, you know again i've always hoped that i've been wrong about all of this stuff and uh, unfortunately i have not (laughs) you know really unfortunately i have not and uh, we are at this pivotal time now in human history where uh, we have some big decisions to make um, but also i'm done with arguing and debating about what has happened um, about if it's real, if it's not real, all of the stats, the data, it doesn't really, t- to me anyway, um, after I did this episode, I kind of said, huh, this is a breath of fresh air because now none of that really matters in the grand scheme of things. Um, you know protect yourself, protect your loved ones, protect the vulnerable, all the things that we've spoken about before. But now you actually have a chance to really, truly protect yourself as a sovereign being. Right, as a sovereign being. So, um, you know, yeah, thanks for tuning into this. You know, stay strong out there. Uh, I I know that this is difficult for everyone, and especially for those of you in Canada right now, um, you know, the screws are tightening. But give this a listen. Um, Let's let's just we got to get together and keep this moving. All right, this is the way forward, I believe. And I'm going to be having some other announcements. I've got some things that I've been thinking about in the background. So just stay stay dialed into the podcast. And uh, some things are coming up uh, real soon. I wanted to also just apologize for the audio quality here. Um, You know, trying to record three people. Um, online it's always always challenging Um, so yeah apologies for the lower quality in audio but I think that you will still quite clearly be able to hear the conversation so thanks for tuning in as always um, please share this with your friends your family your community and uh, yeah welcome to the show Kerry and Nicole from 369 Media. all right hey nicole hey carrie welcome to uh, the podcast great to have you both on thanks,
1: thanks for having us. us
0: um i am very excited to talk to you today um you know we've had some lengthy conversations and i think. Uh, Having some good long conversations with you both over the last week has kind of actually brought a lot of clarity to me so that I think we can actually have a really productive time today um, on our podcast. Um, what I want to do, uh, so you, you're you the founders of 369 Media, um, obviously um, anyone listening to the show, you can just click on the link in the show notes and you'll see what, what they're about. Um, but I got to say, you know, right out the gate, I'm just extremely proud of the work that you've done so far and uh, the things that you've uncovered, and um, the, the direction that you've gone with everything, um, and I don't honestly feel that there's anyone else, or very few people, that are really going down that road. So I'll just say that first of all, um, congratulations, well done. Thank um, I know Thank it's you. not over yet; far from it. But um, nope. but good, you know, good. Um, so I think I want to open things up. Um, you know. We've just seen things escalate with the lockdowns pandemic. Um, we're all sitting here in Canada, Ontario, and, um, and Quebec mostly. But we've just seen these lockdowns, you know, now we're in the third lockdown, Um, schools closed shortly after that, you know, police powers. So all of a sudden the police have powers to, you know, stop and seize and search um, and all sorts of powers that they've never really had before. And all of this has really happened in the last um, two weeks. And then something very disturbing happened on April 9th. So it's now April 23rd live. and Justin Trudeau essentially pitched the premiers of all of the provinces of Canada and said, hey, we want to bring in the Emergency Act. Okay, this is an act, and, and I'll, I'll sort of hand the mic over to you in a second, Nicole. I just want to tee it up for you a bit. Um, this is an act that's never really been used before aside from one time. Um, it is uh, really reserved for war times, and it is is pretty much the most severe emergency type of um, act that we have in the country, right? So um, why don't we, I want to hand it over to you, Nicole, and maybe just give us a bit of background um, and information on what is, exactly is the emergency act? And of course, if there's anything else you want to speak to from what I just said, you know, please feel free.
2: Sure, thank you. Um, At a very high level, the Emergencies Act was signed into law in Canada in 1988, and it effectively replaced the War Measures Act. Now, the War Measures Act is what would have gone in place in 1914, um, or sorry, yes, 1914 for World War I, again in um, 1939 for World War II, and then we saw it most recently uh, when Pierre Elliott Trudeau called it in October of 1970 in the province of Quebec and essentially what it does is it shifts the balance of power from the province to uh, the federal government and at that time it tends to or for what we've seen in the past it can disempower local law enforcement and provincial law enforcement and start to put that power into the hands of the military and other private contractors that the federal government chooses to engage for law enforcement services. Um, When that happens um, We can, we run the risk of watching um, law enforcement go rogue. Uh, When it happened in Quebec in the 1970s, and you can find a lot of information on this it was literally called overnight it was unexpected he called it at about four o'clock in the morning and as soon as it was um, ordered the military started rolling in and they were deploying um, officers into the homes of people they were doing search seizure uh, and they could do it without a warrant and essentially um, when that happens if you get stopped you do not you don't qualify for due process so typically if you're arrested you are required to be in front of a judge within 72 hours and under the war measures act or the emergencies act they don't really have to do that they hmm. can hold you for an indefinite period of time now the there have been some modifications between the war measures act and the emergencies act and they like to tell us that the emergencies act will respect the sections of the charter, um, but we don't even see them respecting sections of the charter now. So I I don't hold a lot of hope um, that we wouldn't see an abuse of power if that gets put into force.
0: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, I think it's also important for people to realize that, um, you know, and I just want to backtrack a little bit and kind of contextualize this for, for people that when we so so when doug ford in ontario basically gave the police powers right so lockdown number three then shortly after school closures then all of a sudden hey police have the power to basically stop and search you your vehicle your person um etc and and almost unanimously, within 24 hours, there was um, air quotes pushback from all of the police services, right? So the Toronto Police Services, the Hamilton Police Service, and so on and so on. And they all came out and basically issued statements literally within 24 hours. And they said, we are not going to enforce this. Right. And what was interesting is even for myself, I mean, I, we all looked at that on the surface. Um, you know, I, I, there were posts on social media floating around, and everyone's like, yeah, you know, the cops have got our back. Like, this is awesome and now that i understand things a little bit more i almost think that it was was done intentionally because now it almost looks like oh well you know the the the, the law enforcement are now at odds with with the, the the government officials right they don't want to enforce things well it looks like we might have a province in disarray right we we might have a province that really needs the feds to come in and step in and really take over and what people should also realize is that Across the country now, we have 24,000 military personnel that have already been deployed. Um, the bulk of those are in Ontario and in Quebec. Um, we, uh, you know, and, and what was interesting in the CTV press briefing with, um, when they first did that, when they first deployed the military, the guy, he literally said on camera, he's like, we're not here to enforce COVID measures yet. Or, or his, his exact words were, at this time. You know, so he kind of like left it on the table, like, oh, that's not why we're here. You know, we're not here for that, but, you know, not, not yet. And mm-hmm. so I think it's important for people to understand all of this, that should this emergency act get um, invoked, they are ready. Like, they are actually in place. And we've got checkpoints on the Quebec border now, with, between Quebec and Ontario. Uh, we also have the Manitoba border is also closed, and there's checkpoints there as well. So this stuff is actually happening. Um, which, which mm-hmm. is kind of crazy. Yeah. What I want to do before I hand the mic back over, I just want to um, read a couple of the highlights here so that people can really grasp what the Emergencies Act actually involves and what the what the, the implications are. So uh, the first one here is prohibition of travel to, from, or within any specified area. So we could see and right now we're seeing interprovincial travel that could actually get buttoned up even tighter. So that could be, you know, um, from between cities within the province of Ontario, between counties, between, you know, regions, what have you. Um, Evacuation of persons and removal of personal property from any specified area and the making of arrangements for adequate care and protection of the persons and or property. Now, why we would need to seize property for a viral contagion is, is a little bit mysterious to me. The requisition or seizure of property, again, uh, seizing of assets, um, authorization of direction to any persons of any class of persons to render essential services, nothing to see there. This is another one that that's very disturbing, uh, the regulation of distribution of essential goods services and resources you know people have started making noise farmers have been talking about uh, f- supply chain issues food shortages i've got people in the logistics industry and um, globally that are now seeing you know there's the shipping lines and all the sort of stuff i mean they're taking a major hit Uh, the trucking industry, you know, there's another one. So this all now falls under, um, oh the last one I'll just add here, upon indictment, imprisonment or fines to anyone who contravenes these orders. So anyone who goes against any of these orders, whether it be travel, whether it be no mask, whether it be no social distancing, whether it be gathering with people outside of your household or what have you, you can now be arrested. Uh, with no warrant, which is kind of what you were uh, saying before, Nicole. So this is quite disturbing um, in the grand scheme of things. Um, I don't know. Carrie, do you have anything to to add to the conversation here at this time?
1: Um, I mean, where to start? I think it's important for people to understand um, when you're reading these orders. When you look at property, and I know you commented, you know, why would someone confiscate or expropriate property. Um, that goes back to really understanding who you are and who you are in the eyes of the law and who you really are. Um, and when you, you know, Nicole can quote, actually, I think it was a case that set a precedent. Um, I'm not as good with the dates, but she's, she's good with that stuff. So I can hand it back over to her, but people and your children are considered property. And that's something that I don't think people understand is that we are we are property in their eyes Um, and we have to start looking at ourselves as that if we're going to really understand how to take action and take back control. So I think that's a that's a really pertinent point to make. And when you're reading these orders, the things that stand out to you, like, you know, we're not administering certain things yet. They are always putting you on notice. So um, just to pay attention to how these things are being communicated to you and the fact that um, we are property.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people forget that, you know, um, I come from South Africa. What we've been dealing with over there for a few years now, there's this big, um, you know, they call it state capture. Right. So state capture where the the state captures a lot of these utilities. um, They capture a lot of services, a lot of land. And one of the things that um, they've coined there is expropriation without compensation. Uh, so they're basically trying to reclaim land, right? So this is specifically land. And of course, what they're getting into there is property rights, um, which we're mm-hmm. going to you know, we're gonna come back to property rights in this show and, and mm-hmm. talk a lot about that today. And when I first heard that, you know, most people think, oh, property rights, like someone's trying to take my house, trying, someone's trying to take my land. And um, what I learned from looking into that scenario over there back home was that, yeah, property is everything, right? It, it could even extend to your intellectual property. Um, you know, if you have ideas for business, if you have patents, if you have anything like that, it's all property mm-hmm. in in the eyes of the law or the powers that be. But before we get into that, um, I think I want to kind of drive this home a little bit more, and then. Uh, and I will just say for everyone listening, this is not a doom and gloom podcast today at all. I, I actually think that you're going to feel um, quite inspired and quite um, uh, hopeful. Hopefully, uh, by the end of the show, so so don't panic. All right. But um, something else that's very very disturbing that we've uncovered here, um, and I don't fully understand it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna obviously get you to weigh in on this, Nicole. But. We've now seen, and multiple people have shared this with me, that all of a sudden the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which normally lives under the Treaties tab, um, I think it's Laws, Treaties, and uh, you'll probably know better than I will, but basically now all of a sudden the Charter is, is gone. Right when you click on that, it's like a 404 page. It doesn't exist. And of course, some people have said, "Oh well, you know, it's just a broken link." And I'm like, "Well, if it is a broken link, the timing is pretty incredible." And the second thing, which I really want you to speak about, at least just give us a gloss over, is um, the, the the changes to the constitution or the omissions of certain things in the Constitution. And again, I want to just um, preface this for anyone listening, there are things that we know, there's things that we don't know, there's things that we speculate. So um, what we're going to talk about right now is, is really an open-ended question that we have, and you can check the links out below in the show notes, um, and I would love for you to go and actually dig into this yourself, whoever's um, listening to this. So Nicole, tell us a little bit about the Charter and the Constitution and what's really going on here.
2: Sure. So as you had mentioned last week, we were alerted to the fact that the charter was missing from the website. And it just happened to coincide with a bit of a rabbit hole I was going down in terms of the history of Canada, how we've been structured, how the monarchy kind of came in and developed Canada as we know it. So when we went looking for the charter and it was gone, um, we defaulted to the Department of Justice website where they have the constitution laid out. And when I went to check that and I looked at the Table of Contents, I could see that it was only showing 52 sections of the Charter. Now, or of the Constitution, sorry. I had just finished reading a document that was outlining specifically Section 58-59 of our Charter. So I had to start digging and looking for documents. And essentially, um, what is currently omitted from the, the government website um, are sections 53 through 61 of the Constitution of Canada. So this would be the constitution um, that was signed into law with Pierre Trudeau and the Queen in 1982, and it effectively replaced the British North America Act of, 19, or of 1867. In that In our new constitution, um, section 58 essentially says, and it came through proclamation of the Queen, so when she actually did the speech to render this into law, um, part of her proclamation included section 58, which said that the constitution could not go into effect until a day deemed by either Her Majesty or the Governor General of Canada, once section 59 has been satisfied. Now, Section 59 refers you back to Section 23A, 231A. Um, 231A is about your equal equal opportunity to have your children educated in the language of your choice. Hmm. So this is where Quebec comes in because Quebec is a Francophone province. It um, does not recognize English. It is not an official language here. And essentially, Section 23 a cannot be, in in our interpretation, um, and from what we've understood, is that Section 23 uh, 1A cannot be satisfied until Quebec meets the language requirements. And also, part of the provisions of the Charter for it to go into effect, once Section 59 is satisfied, Section 23 has to be removed, 58 has to be removed, 59 has to be removed, then the entire Constitution has to be renumbered, and a new proclamation has to be issued by the Queen. We have not been able to find a constitution that has been ratified to show those changes. Um, and we know that prior, or from what we understand from our research, prior to the constitution of 1982 being signed in, the British North America Act was unenacted, which means that is not currently sitting as a precedent um, or a document we can fall back on. The current document doesn't appear to be valid or in force. And what we're actually left with is the founding document of Canada, which would be the Hudson Bay Charter of
1: 1640.
2: Hmm. Um, So you can draw your (laughs) own conclusions around what that may or may not mean
0: well i i think what i would like to do for our listeners anyway is you know because obviously we're 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 talking about these things so when you can't read them it's a lot to kind of wrap your head around right Mm -hmm. but um in in a nutshell like what are we really saying are we saying that we're operating right now without a An actual constitution potentially like a legal constitution are we saying that there's just some things that are not that haven't been satisfied like how does i don't know just in in super lay terms if you were to sum that up what does this really mean or what do we think it means anyway
2: i I think it means we don't have anything um and a clue to that is section one of the charter which basically says that they can supersede anything for the greater good so The charter is never, when we look at the charter, it's not absolute. It's based on the greater good. And I believe the loophole and the reason that exists is because our Charter and our constitution has not been brought into force, but the reason we have the illusion of that is because Canada operates on a common law system, and a common law system, not to be confused with like flag in the ground sovereignty, but mm-hmm. common law as recognized by our courts is really based on a, like a prescribed set of precedents. So lawyers go into court, they argue, they set a precedent, and that precedent becomes what future lawsuits and cases um, rely on in order mm-hmm. to for the judges to make their ruling. So so we did have a constitution in place until 1982. We have an exhaustive list of precedents on the books. Right. Um, so it's not a far stretch to assume that we are operating inside of precedent law and not necessarily a constitution or a charter. And I think the ruling that came from the judge in Alberta regarding the Pastor Coates um, situation with the Grace Life Church, I believe it's called, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. um, where the judge pretty much point blank said, we're not um, doing a constitutional challenge, nor is the government required to provide any documentation of what's happening, that starts to show us um, that maybe we don't have the constitution and the charter that we thought we did, um, and that we need to start looking for other areas and other avenues to um, start to explore solutions within.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um if we and this is just to kind of follow all of this, right? So if we're if we're like let's say operating without a constitution, right? And of course no one really knows this. We don't really know that for sure, but if this is actually happening, um what does that really mean then, in terms of the the government, right? So the provincial governments, the federal governments, actually imposing um, things like lockdowns, social distancing, curfews, checkpoints, etc. Like, if there's no constitution, where are they really operating from, in a legal capacity, with all of that? I mean, is do we know? Is, well,
1: I mean, if if you put two and two together,
0: <laughs> it's illegal.
1: If they're If there's no, I mean, if there's no constitution and there's no rule of law and there's no one, no queen or lieutenant governor, which we've also kind of discovered, signing any any of these documentations that receive royal assent, this legislation, then who's doing it? Mm -hmm. And the queen can't actually sign any legislation that's repugnant to anything aligned with the Bible or the law of man. So does she remove herself from liability? And Mm -hmm. if she does, who's signing, who's signing all the legislation? We don't actually know. And we, through the notice of liability that we, we put out, we didn't know at the time, but people were sending us some of the responses they were getting. And we had received responses ourselves. Um, I don't know if you have it up, Nicole, but the, the Lieutenant governor of BC in particular went into quite a bit of detail, um, on why it's not their office's responsibility to handle the issues occurring right now under the the pandemic orders and they basically said that the lieutenant governor does not get involved in the in the politics of the day and we didn't understand that but now we do if the lieutenant governor is actually acting as the ceo of a corporation and not a country under a constitution
0: well, well, I, I think people also need to realize that. I know uh, many listeners, I'm sure, are aware, but um, all municipalities, cities, countries, towns are all actually corporations. Like they are all business entities, they are legal entities uh, uh, registered as corporations, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I know we're going to come back to that in a minute because people are kind of registered in the same way um, as, as well, in a sense, right? Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, so yes. Nicole, did you want to share something um, just to, to follow on there from Kerry? Uh, from
2: Sure. So what uh, one of the, the response that we received from the Office of the Lieutenant Governor, um, they said, The Office of the Lieutenant Governor and the authority of vested in her honour are governed by the laws and conventions of the Canadian Constitution. Under our system of democratic parliamentary government, the Lieutenant Governor exercises authority of the Office on the advice of the Premier and the Executive Council, who are in turn responsible to the elected legislative assembly. Her honor's constitutional role does not include intervention in the political issues of the day, and she does not impose her views or wishes on any government. If you're referencing legislation that includes the term, quote, Lieutenant Governor in Council, this is a traditional constitutional term that refers to the Lieutenant Governor acting on the advice of the Premier and Executive Council or Cabinet. This, term's, this term appears in many provincial acts, acts that are duly passed by the Legislative Assembly of British Columbia that provide for certain responsibilities of the Lieutenant Governor in Council, often appeal procedures, but such, such actions are taken by the Executive Council. The Lieutenant Governor has no direct involvement or jurisdiction with respect to these actions other than to give formal approval to them on the advice of the Council, who are elected and responsible to the Legislative Assembly and the people of British Columbia. So they have told us in there that the Lieutenant Governor has no jurisdiction. However, not a single declaration of emergency that was called in every province between the 13th and the 29th of March in 2020 could be passed without the signature of the Lieutenant Governor. That is our formal procedure, Hmm. Premier and Lieutenant Governor. So if she has no jurisdiction, why did she sign the document? Did she sign the document?
0: Right. And in what
2: capacity? Because capacity and jurisdiction are incredibly important. Mm-hmm. So, was she signing as the CEO? Was she signing as the lieutenant governor? Did she sign it by her own hand? There are examples of the lieutenant governor of BC uh, years ago, um, alluding to the fact that she does not sign her own documents.
1: So, mm-hmm. we
2: have reason to believe that um, through this process, because we, you know, we truly believe that. Lieutenant Governor was the linchpin of the declarations of emergency. Um, we just weren't as clear on jurisdiction as we are now.
0: Yeah. I mean, so basically in simplistic terms, what i'm what I'm kind of getting from all of this is that um, these are technically unlawful. What what we're doing. And I mean, look, I and and you don't have to say that. I don't want to put you on the spot. Um, I I don't care. So (laughs) I'll just say it. Um, But, uh, you know, I I think that um, I just going back um, to when the first state of emergency was declared, right? An official emergency was declared. And I went looking and I was like, what are the criteria? for an actual emergency to be declared? Like, are we looking at a certain number of deaths, of hospitalizations, of Mm -hmm. what is it? And it's not very clear as as to what those, there's no bright lines there at all. It's very, very vague. Um, And it seems to me like it's just, it's almost like it's up to the discretion of the premier, you know, on the advice of his scientific and medical advisors. I'm using air quotes, um, by the way. Mm and you know and, and and then when you start like kind of bringing in all of uh, fraudulent PCR testing all of this is based on computer modeling um, you know the viral genome is computer modeling like you you, you know you, it's kind of hard to actually get anything concrete to justify what's actually been going on and here we are fast forward over a year later and we're now not only just entering a third lockdown; it's harsher than it e- than it ever has been. And we're now dipping our toe into the water with the emergency act, which is which is insane. Now. Um just just the last thing I want to say on that, just coming back to this whole constitution thing, because I really think this is, is um, bombshell stuff, to be honest with you. I mean, if, if what we're saying is actually legit, um, please, anyone listening to this, share this with lawyer friends. Um, check the links in the show notes. Like, Please get someone who actually understands how to read this to confirm or deny what we're speculating here. Um, cause I want to know, I mean, I think we all have a right to know here because our livelihoods, our families, our health, everything is being affected like, mm-hmm. you know, never before. But now if, if we're operating without a constitution, you know, so looking at it, obviously from the government side out, that's one thing, that's what we just covered. But what about now, um, from looking at it from the general public in, because all of a sudden now, are we actually subject to all of this? And if we're not subject to it, then surely that means we can kind of just do whatever we want. I mean if there's no constitution, like you could literally and again, I'm being a little facetious here, but you could literally just drive down the highway with a beer in your hand, no seatbelt on, going one hundred and fifty kilometers an hour, and no one could really prosecute you mm-hmm. at all because technically we're rolling without a constitution. so I don't know if you, if um if anyone wants to speak to that side of things um just from the public recourse um looking mm-hmm. back up to the government,
1: I think the natural inclination is to go. To that, you know, mm-hmm. sort of other solution—not so solution, but the other end of the the scale—is to say it's going to be complete anarchy. And I think I won't speak for you, Nicole, but I'd argue, and I think we both argue, with what we're doing is that it's actually the opposite of that. If we don't have a government, um then we need to take accountability and responsibility like we've never had to do before, mm. and that requires a lot of, um, paradigm shifts for people. So I think you asked the right question, Brett, you said, well, like if there, is there no government? And I think everyone should be asking that right now and looking at the information that's available and, Don't panic, Mm -hmm. but start thinking about what the solution could be. Because if you are continuing to look at your abuser to save you, you're in trouble. That's what, that's, I think even the people that realize what's going on are still stuck in this old paradigm um, and the archetype of the slave and you cannot get release from your captor so we need to escape from that and start to think of solutions that become inter instead of being dependent on um, a government system that's supposed to administer your affairs for you not govern you um, mm-hmm. then we, not- we need to start looking at our communities to be doing that interdependently yeah
0: yeah and i want and- to come back to that if i if i can just add one thing cuz you you mm-hmm. know I, I you just I got, I got to drive this point home um You know, I've always said you, you can't dismantle the master's house with the master's tools. Okay, that's it's an old saying. And I think it's it's so relevant to what we're dealing with now because you still have so many people that are just like, well, if, if just look at the data, look at the data, you know, and I mean, now the hospitals are supposedly full. Well, do we know they're not full? Because even the hospital data shows that it's not full. So it almost like, you know, the PCR testing is false. Well, the the World Health Organization has said these things, you know, mm-hmm. the cycle thresholds are too high. So the data is there for everyone to look at. You know, there's no shortage of data. There's no shortage of, of back things up Um, but I think what's happening now is people are thinking that we're going to win the war by Mm -hmm. using the data and and then what we're going to do is you know, and, and then what we're going to do is, oh, you know what? If who, pick your politician wherever you live, you know, they're doing a terrible job. We're just going to vote someone else in, and I'm like, you know what? It's like WWF, man. They're all fighting each other in the ring, and they're going for beers afterwards. It's it's they're all on the same team. Like we're yeah. not going to vote our way out of this. We're not going to do. It doesn't work. And so I just wanted to drive that point home because mm-hmm. you know, and we're going to jump into to the solutions here in, in a second. And um, that if people think we're going to vote our way out of this and that government, you know, if, if we just lock down harder and if everyone just plays their part, this will all be over. It's like, no, it won't. Mm-hmm. You know, we said people have been saying that for, for 13 months now. And I said within the first three weeks, I was like, oh, boy, we're in mm-hmm. for the long haul here, you and know, it, and this is not going to end anytime soon. So
2: Yeah. And even if there is no government, there is still a corporation. And we are still bound because we have contractually entered contracts with this corporation. So just to say there is no government and I don't want to be a part of it doesn't um, relinquish the contractual obligation.
1: You're not out of the woods yet.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it, Mm -hmm. it doesn't relinquish your contractual obligations. So you have to understand the full scope of it. And part of that is who are you? Who are they? What jurisdictions are at play? and what contracts are at play mm-hmm. and who am I inside of those contracts?
1: Mm-hmm. And, and I
2: just that's uh, we're finding we're winning um, tiny, tiny battles, which mm-hmm. is understanding jurisdiction and contract.
1: Cool. I just want to add quickly t- to what you said, Brett. Um, and I'd, incur- I'd encourage people to almost start looking at the data and the science as a weapon of war
0: mm-hmm.
1: because it's being used to divide and conquer. We have two different paradigms at play, two different, t- you know, th- to timelines and they're fighting each other. There are people who want the, you know, want the vaccine and they, they want, um, the lockdowns and there are people that don't, and they're both quoting data. Yeah, And yeah. it's, you know, the crazy making is that it's changing every, um, five minutes. So I would argue that it's a weapon of war. And until we start dropping those weapons and move towards a solution, we're going to continue in an abusive cycle with our abuser.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I would encourage people listening, um, you know, if you want to kind of deep dive into some of this, go back to episode 99, I think it is. Um, I did a, a podcast with uh, my friend Guy Crittenden. Um, it was a two-hour uh, amazing podcast, as far as I'm concerned, uh, called The Endgame. Game. Um, so some of the links in the show notes there um, actually allude to the fact that, you know, just to, to your point here, Kerry... One of the things, if you go back and look at the you know, Rockefeller documents, for example, if you look at the Spars pandemic um, document that was released by Johns Hopkins in 2017, if you look at these future scenarios that they plan out with um, you know, pandemics, you know, the last five, five to seven years, we've seen a number of documents that have come out like that, um, you know the three that I've listed being the biggest ones. Um, one of the themes that keeps cropping up in those is something called the echo chamber. And so in their future scenarios, they say, oh, we foresee that people are going to be put in echo chambers. And that's really what social media and algorithms have done. You know, whether it be searching on Google and Google really capturing your data to steer you down whatever path you you know you're most interested in, um, or whether it be a, a Facebook showing you more of what you want to see, you know I think everyone's kind of aware of that. But that's really what it does is it pushes you into these echo chambers. And then there's actually been studies now where they've taken people, I think it was in Colorado, and they took very liberal people who were all in the same town, same environment, same everything. Um, very liberal people and very Republican people, right? And they put them in groups. He said, here, you're in a Facebook group and you're in a Facebook group. And what they noticed was that as they studied the behavior of those people, their views became more radical because everyone started subscribing to the more radical views, So what happened was the left went further left and the right went further right where they weren't like that before. You know? And I think that the reason why I bring that up is because that's kind of what's going on right now. Right is is the the wedge and the divide is just getting pushed more and more and more and more to the point where you know you can show someone who doesn't subscribe you know let's say they're not anti-lockdowners they're not they're they're fully on board with the official narrative it actually doesn't matter what you show them anymore you can literally show them official CDC FDA Health Canada data and they'll just look at it and be like oh fake news you know it's it's this is conspiracy theory and it's like how is that you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah so yeah. anyway um sorry nicole did you want to go uh, ahead
2: yeah i was just going to say Please. left or right pro anti it doesn't matter where you what you're looking at it is the same coin yeah. and though we're still looking at people that are being driven by fear and mm-hmm. it we're not going to get anywhere with that and we feel that way about the well, I feel about that way about the politicians. There is no, polit- like you said earlier, there's no one coming to save us. And even mm-hmm. the people who appear to be doing that, if you look into their history enough, yeah. there was legislation passed in Canada. And I use legislation with air quotes. Yeah. Um, back in <laughs> 20, 2012, where we signed a pretty heavy and significant trade treaty with China. And a lot of the politicians that are pretending to save us right now formed the 41st Parliament that brought that into law and approved that uh, particular treaty. So we have to remember that history will repeat itself until the lessons are learned. And I think when it comes to, when we think of historical contexts, and last time we would have seen something this extreme, which would likely be Nazi Germany, I, I would say, to the extent that we're seeing. People's purview of Nazi Germany are also, is also only from like 1939 to 1945. They forget the 15 years that led up to that. Yep. Mm. And that it was a slow burn. It didn't happen overnight. People were not weaponized overnight. It was a slow, insidious burn that happened. And we have to pay attention to that. And we have to scrutinize our history over the last 10, 20 years to really understand how we came to where we're at and hold those accountable um, who, right now, are claiming they have our best interests in heart when they laid the foundation for where we are currently standing. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And I should also point out that, um, you know, just coming back to the emergency act, uh, we have um, Jagmeet Singh, who's the leader of the NDP. I mean, he just wrote Trudeau like a few days ago. You know, we've got to get this act in. We've got to mm-hmm. put the act in. And of course, it's all done under the guise of protecting people, you know, stopping the virus, blah, blah, blah. But, but what people should realize is that, um, you know, Chrystia Freeland, who's the finance minister, you know, she sits on the board of trustees for the world economic forum Mm -hmm. Uh, again i I encourage people to go back to to episode 99 if you want to understand what all that means but um, then i went and looked and i saw that jagmeet singh is also aligned with the World Economic Forum. Okay. Justin Trudeau has done presentations at Davos with um, the World Economic Forum. These are the people that are really pulling the strings to usher in, uh, you know, the Great Reset, the World Debt Relief Program, all of these types of things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think um, once, once people start looking at that a little bit more, to your point, you start to kind of see, oh wow, okay, this web is really, it's, it's all really tangled up, y- mm-hmm. you know. Um, And do they really have our best interests at heart, or are they trying to usher in this fourth industrial revolution, this technocratic takeover, the Great Reset, all things that I've spoken about on this podcast um, before? Um, I don't know if you have anything to add, and then I want to jump into the solutions because I think the solutions mm -hmm. are going to really blow people away here.
1: Yeah, I I think um, just to add to that briefly, um, we do have conservative politicians who are fighting for our air quote, freedoms, Mm -hmm. Um, take a look at whether they're not a part of the World Economic Forum, Um, because this is, I think it's somewhat of a a sickness and a mental illness and throughout humanity that we, uh, you know, I was guilty, I'm guilty of it too, I had to go through my own process with this, but when it happened, we have an instant reaction that if the bad guy is coming for us, we cling, like if the black side's coming, we cling to the white side. And I do think that's what's happening right now. And just take a look at who you're clinging to. If you're looking for the other side of this, you know, um, of the our parliament to handle this for you, great. Just dig into it and take a look at what organizations they're part of. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd, I'd I'd be surprised.
0: You know, we're, we're not voting our way out of this one, that's for sure. Nope. Um, this nope. is beyond, beyond politics, to be honest. It is. But, and
1: just to circle
2: back to something that you said earlier, Brett, when you were alluding to the Emergencies Act and the letter that Trudeau had sent out on the 9th of April, this morning, a joint, so this morning, the 23rd, 23rd, um, the border was lifted between Ottawa and Quebec because of so much backlash. But then a joint letter was issued by the premiers of Ontario and Quebec for more border security. Now, they keep talking about land borders, air borders, and ports, but a land border can, when when you start digging into jurisdiction, can go to your front door. Hmm. So right now they're stressing, now they did put a caveat towards the end about the U.S. border, but there are many mentions of land borders without clarification throughout the letter. So I think it would be incumbent upon people to be paying attention to that and to read those letters to see if they actually just answered the letter Trudeau sent on the 9th of April.
0: Yeah, yeah well all right so let's um, let, let's move ourselves forward here and there's a couple of things that we've spoken about and I just again I just want to kind of tee this up um, for for you um, the question now is what do we do all right, so if we can't vote our way out of this, if we can't, um, you know, charge our way through the airport, if I can't chain myself to my open business, you know, we're tr- we've tried all of those things, right? If I can't go down every single Saturday to Queen's Park or wherever and protest, protests haven't really worked either. Aside from creating awareness, they haven't really got any traction with really doing anything, right? So I think that what this has done is really left people quite um, desperate. They are feeling quite hopeless. They're feeling like there's really just no way out. And, uh, you know, I get messages all the time, uh, people thanking me, first of all, for speaking about the stuff on the podcast. And then mm-hmm. others that are like, what are we going to do, man? Like, I'm freaking out. OK, should I be buying guns? Should I be like moving out into middle of nowhere northern Ontario? Should I be stockpiling food? Should I be buying generators? Like, what should I be doing? Right. And I think yes. that's <laughs> Right. And so so I think that what um, but but here here's what I love about what you're up to is what you figured out is is um, where how to identify and understand where you stand in a legal context. Right. So where do you stand? Where does the government stand? How does this all work? Because I didn't know it honestly i didn't know i knew some of the stuff because i kind of got into the free man on the land stuff you know um 10 15 years ago but but what you've uncovered i think is really really important for people to understand and again go on to um the onto, onto the website so 369 media you can go check out the website in the show notes but where do we start with this so and and i know this is such a deep subject and um, we'll talk about your course that you have as well to help people um actually do this process i'm starting i'm so excited uh, i I can't wait. I think i got like four days. Is it four days from now? Yep. Yeah, I can't wait four days and I'm just like ready to go. I got my pen. I got my paper. I'm ready to roll awesome. So, um, so how do we explain these things? I think there's like three or four key areas, right without going too deep that people need to kind of wrap their head around And um, so I don't know who wants to take the mic and, and go for it. But uh, whoever
1: You want to fight over it,
0: Nicole?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, all right Okay. uh, Some of the key points, where to start. Okay. Well, this is, it's come from two things. One, us making our own mistakes and just going through different processes ourselves and aligning with some really amazing masters in their field. Um, So basically at the core of it, I think the reason it's hard to know where to start. Okay. Where people are getting themselves in trouble right now, we found is that they are screaming tyranny and trying to plant a flag on the ground. If you are a slave to the corporation of Canada, you can't do that. You're mm-hmm. you're you're belligerent, you're deemed belligerent and you can be arrested for that. So people need to understand that, you know, earlier we were talking about the fact that we are property we're deemed property under the Corporation of Canada. And we agreed to that contract when our mothers signed the registration of live birth. And on that contract, we became property of the USSEC, the uh, Stock Exchange, and a part of Canada, the Corporation of Canada. And from there, we've been under their rule. So we can't just scream freedom and think we're gonna get it. Freedom is not free. We do have to work for it. and. A really key piece to understanding that is that you have to understand who you are, who they think you are, like Nicole said, and where you stand and where they stand. So three key components are uh, jurisdiction, languaging, and notice writing. Not petitions, not letters, but notices. There's a big difference. I
0: guess contracts as well, right?
1: Yes, it's and that's contracts, right? So, uh, for example, anytime uh, Trudeau goes on and does a press briefing or you hear Doug Ford on a press briefing, that's a notice. That is not a law. People assume that if Mr. Premier is coming to the microphone, we must do what he says. But we have the option to rebut contracts. We just don't know it and we don't know how to do it. So... Our passivity in this process is the signature on those contracts. If no one shows up to rebut the contracts with, with our politicians, they become law. So our literal passivity becomes part of the signing process. Um, so we have to learn how to show up and not contract with them. Okay. Or with anyone we don't want to contract with before you do that you have to understand where you stand and where they stand because the moment you use certain languaging or you show up with certain pieces of identification or um certain ideologies you fall un- into their jurisdiction
0: hmm.
1: so you have to understand jurisdiction and if, those, if, those if, I, if I
0: can just interject, um, just mm-hmm. so that I understand something, mm-hmm. it, it, does this, it, this means that essentially, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, does this mean that we are essentially legal, we're, we're, we're the corporation, I'm the corporation of Brett, essentially mm-hmm. engaged in a legal contractual um, or contract with the corporation of, of Ontario, of Canada, of wherever, is that, am I kind of right on that?
1: In a sense, what you've done is you've allowed the, the banks to become your trustee. Okay. They're managing well, your affairs. So they, right. they are running your affairs um, as opposed to what uh, Rothschild would do, which is you have a family trust and you hmm. choose your trustee they're two very different things. So not to get too deep into it, but you have two birth certificates, right? So one is one puts you in their jurisdiction and the other puts you in the, in the private jurisdiction where you have more protections. And we are in the jurisdiction where we don't have protections right now. Okay. So if you go and plant a flag somewhere, you're in big trouble. If you don't first know who you are and where you stand and where they stand and how to language with them.
0: Right, right. and, and if that again, makes sense. And, you know, no, it, it, it does. And again, just to kind of like really dumb this down, um, you know, essentially what we're saying is, is if I plant my flag, I am still under legal obligation, in a sense, with the Corporation of Canada. Mm-hmm. And therefore, in a legal sense, I Cannot break that contract right as a, as a legal entity. I cannot break that contract And yeah. that's what I think you're getting at With where do I stand? Where do they stand? And so let's kind of move on then um, Let's talk a little bit about that. Like where do I stand? Where do they stand and and what does that all mean?
1: Cool, mm-hmm.
2: sure um, So we we all operate um, There's two different jurisdictions. There's a public jurisdiction and a private jurisdiction and what we are seeing right now with COVID is we are seeing a commingling of jurisdictions. So the best way I can describe that right now would be each province has a Department of Health through as a government agency and then they have public health who is carrying out the orders. Now your Department of Health is your public agency, that is your government agency. Uh, public health is the private entity. And through all of the contracts that have been signed and the orders that have come out, the government, the public side, has fully indemnified themselves of any liability or wrongdoing that happens. But they're not actually carrying out the orders. It's Hmm. happening on the private side. Now, the private side is also to a certain extent indemnified because they're carrying out what we deem to be crimes against humanity and human rights abuses and violations, but as a private corporation they're not subject to the Charter or the Constitution. Huh. So you can't scream war crime and human rights violation to a corporation. You have to look for the contract and you have to see where the contract breach is occurring. and. What we're finding is happening is that there's property violations that are occurring through the private entities, not human rights violations. The human rights violations are absolutely it's happening. happening yeah. On yeah. It's happening. We can't
1: we can't deny that.
0: We, we can call ignore them that. hundred yeah. percent. We
2: can call them
1: that, but
2: they're not going to recognize it
1: that way. And if you call them that, you fall under their jurisdiction. <laughs> yes. They've got you.
0: Right. They right. got you. Um, I, I just, again, I want to just remind people here when we talk about property, we're talking about our body, right? My, my body is my property. My children yes. are my property. So when we're talking about these people that are breaking, if a corporation, and, you know, again, you said it, like public health is actually a corporation. Mm-hmm. So if a corporation is infringing on, on my property, meaning me, it's like imposing something on me as my property or my kids or whatever... That's where, there's a con- that's where we can nail them, essentially, is by looking into the contractual side of things. Is that, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, and a great okay.
2: example would be who, who's who been tasked to carry out the COVID fines and the measures? So in Quebec, um, it was originally businesses. Businesses were tasked with managing it. They're private. It's, it's not a government agency. Um, and they were hiring inspectors, which again, fell inside of a private entity. That became too cumbersome, so they went, you know what, we're going to hand it over to the police. The police are going to issue the fines. So the police have been issuing fines, but if you are someone who has a mask exemption or some sort of exemption underneath of the COVID orders and you attempt to enter a private business and they don't allow you access, even though it is completely written into the orders that they're not allowed to restrict your access, that they're not allowed to ask you for medical certification, and you call the police the police cannot walk through the front door and work on your behalf. Now, if you had oh. gone through that door and the business called the police on you for a breach of the order, the police could walk through the front door and do something about it. It's a jurisdiction oh. issue. It's private versus public. I face that directly. It's part of our our journey has been coming face-to-face with these situations and trying to figure out how to navigate it. So, essentially... You, have to, you always have to know who you're standing in front of. A really good example as well is the, the quarantine camps and what we're seeing happen at the, the border um, and in the airports. So when you arrive in Canada... And the hotels, and, I, would, and, I would
0: assume as well, right?
2: Exactly, right. and the hotels. Yeah. So when you arrive in Canada and you're going through the checkpoints, you your first point of contact is Canadian Border Services. Canadian Border Services transfers you into the care of public health. They don't, they don't tell you to take the test. They don't tell you to do any of the, the quarantine um, measures that have been put in. They just say, you now have to go to public health. Mm-hmm. So then public health assumes that responsibility in their private jurisdiction. And they then pass you not to the police, but to privately contracted security. Mm-hmm. And the private, mm-hmm. p- privately contracted security do not take you to a public facility. They take you to a private hotel. So you have now entered into a contract with private businesses. You are not operating operating inside of what we would know to be the public rule of law. so do we have to
0: do that? So do we have I mean because no. if I didn't sign a piece of paper, I mean, does that mean like just by me walking through the airport and by me saying I'm taking the PCR test or whatever test they've got and by me getting into the white van and going to the hospital, to to the hotel, does that mean that I by just by my actions, have I said yes to that contract? Like I'm now legally bound to that contract? Yes. So, so, um, so how do we get out of that? Like what? What do we? What do we do here? Um, in a nutshell, I know because obviously it's it's a lengthy process. Mm-hmm. But how do people start this journey to actually break free of these obligations um, and and get out of it?
1: I think one of the biggest tools pe- people could start using is to stop making assumptions. They catch you on assumptions, and this is part of the judicial system of law is that they function on assumptions and presumptions. And this is how contracts become law. Like I, like I gave as an example earlier, if Trudeau comes on and does a press briefing, that's a notice. They're going to assume you've signed it until you show up to say you haven't. And so we have to stop assuming that we have human rights and we have to stop assuming Their position as well. And we, we can't just assume things we have to actually, um, and and to nullify or rebut a contract. You can't just disagree with it. You do have to actually show up and call them on their jurisdiction. You, if there's any assumption, it will default back to their, their authority over you, if that makes sense. Hmm. So we have to stop assuming because the assumptions are what turn these, con- these notices into contracts and the contracts into law.
0: So, so just and again, I'm I'm completely ignorant of all of this. I'm I'm just Mm -hmm. learning literally as we're talking here. So, if I let's just go back to the airport example, right? So, I go Mm -hmm. through the airport and I say, no thanks, I'm not doing the PCR test. I'm I'm out, right? I'm just I'm just walking through the airport, and they say, well, you know, either they want to arrest you, that's one thing, or um, they're going to give you a fine. Okay, so Mm -hmm. they're going to say, well, seven hundred and fifty dollar fine it's my understanding that if you take that fine and then you show up and challenge it and say, Hey, you know, now, now all of a sudden, um, that's the way out. Is that, is, am I understanding that correctly here? Or, or do you just not accept the fine in the first place? Like, I I don't know. How do people navigate that? And I don't know if you don't feel comfortable.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's because it's I mean, it's just
0: a literal example, right? I I know it's maybe a bad example, but
1: no, it's good. And these are the questions people are asking. It's, it's, challenging because every situation is different. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, um, it's challenging because you don't know who you're going to be faced with. And it's, I mean, we're navigating this just as much. I would say from our experience, you, you have to make a personal choice. It's, are you going to sign the contract and accept the consequences of that? Or are you going to say no and accept the consequences of that? Because as we as we know, we're in a situation we've never been in before. It, this yeah, is war. Yeah, yeah. And there are consequences either way. It depends on, you know, where you want to stand. Um, it, yeah, it's a, it's a tough question to answer. I don't know if you have okay. an answer to that, Paul. Um No, that,
0: yeah. that, that, that's fine. I mean, and again, I, I'm not trying to put anyone on the spot because, again, yeah. we're all kind of feeling our way in the dark here, you know. It's, it's, and,
1: and ultimately, you know, even with the course, we never... You are the authority over your life and your own affairs. Mm -hmm. And so we can present information and it's up to people to decide how they want to do that. Um, You definitely have to understand what you're doing before you go ahead and challenge some, uh, you know, quote unquote authority figure. So it takes a level of understanding and knowledge and wisdom before I would even go into any situation and do anything like that. But through our experience, we have... have asked uh police officers what their jurisdiction is and it was a very interesting reaction i could say that
0: Mm, mm, mm. okay um so um i think you know and again i know this is a this is a somewhat confusing topic for a lot of people i mean i'm sure those of you listening out there as well um you, you know this a lot of this info is probably brand spanking new to you um it certainly is to me and um you know what what do you think though um, you know, so, you've got a course, you're going to show people how to um, essentially do all of this. Maybe just give us a, a, a sense of, of what does the course um, hope to accomplish for people. So, if people decide that they're going to go and do this, um, ultimately what is the process that's involved and you can just give us a high-level overview, what is that process involved and then what are the outcomes that people should be expecting once they get to the end of that process? You know, what, what, what's the goal?
2: Sure, I think what our course um, aims to do is prepare people with the mindset required to be able to take the next steps. Mm. And we we strongly believe that you have to have alignment before action and anything else is, is futile. And what our course does is it gives you a crash course, as we've said many times through here. Who are you? Who are they? Jurisdiction, contracts, what does that all mean when it when it gets push together how in your legal standing where you are right now how can you start writing really powerful notices that can start leveraging the position that you're in but the Mm. ultimate goal is that we want people to become the own their own kings and queens of their own very heavily fortified castle, and that is a process that um, happens with a, a, a private trust expert, and that is where you start actually reclaiming yourself as a man or a woman on the land, and by settling your, um, settling your estate and getting your titles and your information and your documents in order. And okay. that involves getting your registration of live birth, getting your birth certificate, and starting to um, reestablish who controls those documents.
0: Hmm. Um. A couple of things that I'm—I think people will probably, you know, there's a, there are a few words that you use there, um, you know, a, a a man or woman on the land, you know, and I think um, there, there's now the movement is the sovereignty movement, right? And I think there's a lot of misinformation about what sovereignty really is, because I think for a lot of people they're like, oh my gosh, like, so what? I'm just going to go and live, you know, in the bush with a loincloth and a spear. Like, is that what? That's what I have to do to remove myself from the system? Maybe we might have to for a while. I don't know, but that's beside the point um so you know i I wonder um if if we're talking about sovereign sovereignty and freedom and that sort of thing like what does that really mean like does it mean i don't have a driver's license i've got to give up my passport i can't travel um what does it really mean Mm -hmm. because i think that's what a lot of people think it is right Mm -hmm. it's it's just completely removing yourself altogether from the system Um, but Mm -hmm. i don't think that's what you're really saying am i right
1: Yeah, no, you're right about that. And that was one of the biggest sort of revelations I had going through the process with the trust expert that we're working with with in the course, is that you don't, what you do do is that you learn how to commingle the two. Now, we don't teach you how to do that. That's something that the the trust expert does. Um, But no, you don't have to give up those documentation, those documents, your ID. Um, what you, what you do is you learn how to sign differently. You learn how to Mm -hmm. author things differently. And this is part of the course is teaching people when you're writing notices, what is your name? What, what is the power in your name? How do they, how do they quote unquote, teach you how to sign your name? Um, and how do you sign your name differently so that you do become the administrator of your affairs? And it, changes the contract with, say, the DMV when you go to get your driver's license or your you register your car. So it's how you do these things that changes your jurisdiction and your control over your affairs.
0: Right on. Um, and I love that because I, I think that, that that's always a huge sticking point for people, right? They, it's just that that barrier of the whole sovereignty being completely removed and yeah. I, so I, I love that that's not what that is in, in reality, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's very important for those of you listening out there um, to really wrap your head around what we're talking about here because it's so empowering. Like mm-hmm. this is so empowering when you really break yeah. it all down. Like this is really reclaiming your power in a legal, yeah. from a legal standpoint, right? Yeah. Now something you said earlier, and I know we've, we've had conversations about this off air, um, is the whole idea of a trust, um, you know and uh, are you are you okay talking about that like base because i think you know the other thing that's happening here is um you know as a parent uh, you know i've got three kids um a lot of parents are now freaking out because well i got kids going back to school well are, do they have to be vaccinated to go back to school so there's that conversation happening and then you know um what happens if i do send them back like to to be brutally honest i mean my son who's only five years old like they were showing they were talking about The vaccines at his school before the vaccines were even brought to market, they weren't even like they weren't even manufactured yet, and they were already saying these types of things. So I think a lot of people are very afraid now that if I send my kid back to school, like are they gonna you know a child services is gonna come and take my kid because I'm not. I didn't vaccinate them. I didn't take care of them. Um, you know already, uh, uh, David Stefan. I'm not sure if you know who David Stefan is. No. Uh, David Stefan from um, I've had him on the show. I think twice or three times now. Mm-hmm. He really set a precedent in Canada. He's still going through it, unfortunately, the poor guy. Um, the short end of the story is that he his child was not vaccinated, and then his child died okay not because of this is what the sticking point is um his his child unfortunately died from something else but what mm-hmm. the the Alberta health services basically did was they said you failed to provide the necessities for life yep. because your your child was not vaccinated and had he been vaccinated your child would have survived therefore we're trying to they're trying to basically charge them with murder or mm-hmm. manslaughter or negligence or something like that so I think that when you listen to those stories you know especially where we are now where yep. we're looking at vaccinations vaccine passports we're looking at mandates we're looking at all of the stuff people are going well what am i going to have to do am i going to have to basically one of the parents stop working can my kid go to school if they're not vaccinated and i think this is where um you know we kind of come back to property rights right your yeah. children being your property and mm-hmm. then um let's talk about the trust and what again the high level kind of um the, the 101 of that and what it is you want
1: to go for it nicole
2: <laughs> sure. Um, I mean, essentially, and I think it's it, the really important point to drive home is that when we're talking about trusts, um, we're not talking about anything different than what the elites and the royals have. So we're essentially taking their structure where they have figured out how to administer their affairs, both publicly and privately, and use it to your benefit. And... Um, Um, A lot of people are familiar with estate building, wills and estates, um, but estates are for dead people. Trusts are for living. And Mm. what a trust allows you to do is protect all of your assets inside of an immovable, unshakable um, corporation and entity that puts you in a different jurisdiction and protects your assets from your government. And part of the process that we are looking at with our trust expert you know that also includes taking your registration of live birth and your birth certificate putting it in the trust mm-hmm. putting your children in that trust um, any contracts that you sign are signed through the authority of your trust and that changes your position in your jurisdiction with the government and you become a private entity that if they try and step inside of, it's a bad faith contract. It puts them in breach of trust, and I think this is where it becomes really important to understand that, you know, our countries or corporations, those corporations have trusts. The majority of our laws are built on trust law. Hmm. So when you start working inside of the the system, when you start working in flow with it instead of against it, um, it can actually offer you quite a few protections. But we are in a society that is designed to pull us through the process in a way that disenfranchises us instead of empowers us
0: yeah Mm -hmm. yeah well i mean that's what we're seeing now right i mean everyone's feeling completely powerless like what are we going to do um how do we get through this oh gosh another lockdown another this another that and it's like you just have to do it right? You just have to do it. And so again, you know, um, again, in the interest of time, you know, I, I think it's, it's probably a good time to just wrap this up um, uh, in, in a few minutes. But I just, um, you know, again, I just find this information is just so incredibly important, but also so powerful. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, just to to think that you can reclaim your power in this sense, mm-hmm. is just next level. You know, and, and not only that, I think people should also understand that. You know, and I'm not going to get into it here, but uh, when with with what is going on in the world right now, particularly here in Canada, but in uh, many other places as well, is once you once you bankrupt the economy, right? So we've got the money is being printed like. I mean, I think Justin Trudeau has now accumulated more debt than all of the other prime ministers together in the history of Canada, right, which is something to to note. So we've we've just we're printing money like toilet paper, right? We've got um, we now have a population where 53 percent of Canadians are borderline insolvent. They cannot make ends meet. We've got. Last time I checked, we've got I think 51% of small businesses are not going to be reopening. That was after the second lockdown. So now after the third lockdown, you know that many more are going to also not open. If they do, you're going to have scaled back stuff, you're not going to give them as many hours, you're not going to be able to pay them what they're worth. So what we're seeing is we're seeing the 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 um, impoverishment, if you will, the bankrupting of the population. Now when you couple that with house prices that have increased by 40%, the average house price now in Canada is around $740,000. Now, The last time I looked at that, uh, which was going back a couple of years, it was around 360, 300, somewhere around there. So what we're seeing is we're seeing this transfer of wealth but this is where the rubber hits the road. If we're printing all this money, the money has to be paid back to the to the central banks. It has to be paid back to the World Bank. This is not free money but the only way you're going to pay that money back is through manufacturing of goods, productivity, jobs, services, etc. If those are not there. Because people cannot open their business, they've lost their jobs, what have you. The only other way those are going to be paid back is through seizure of assets. And this is why coming back to the Emergency Act, the seizure of assets is one of the points of the Emergency Act. So so, so, if you now, let's just... Um, you know, say people moving out of the city, right? For them, they had a million dollar apartment, or maybe they had an apartment that was, you know, five or six hundred thousand. They're coming out now and it's like rock bottom interest rates, right? I mean, interest rates are razor thin these days. And all of a sudden the house prices are, are overinflated. You know, people around here are selling their houses for almost double what they paid just like four or five years ago. So can you imagine now you've got all these people, I mean, houses are selling like hotcakes, Like people are literally snapping up houses and all of a sudden they go, well, we have to raise the interest rates. Sorry, everyone. Oh, bam. Sorry, we're also going to have to keep your kids home. So one of you is going to have to quit your job. Sorry, your business is closed. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And now all of a sudden I can't make ends meet. Well, that's how we repay the debt. We come and we take the assets, right? And we can pay back the World Bank. But we're not going to kick you out of your house. You can stay in your house, right? We just own it. And I think that people are not really realizing that this is what's going on. This is the World Economic Forum plan, et cetera. Um, and, and again, you know, not to put you on the spot, this is me speaking. I'm not speaking for Kerry. I'm not speaking for Nicole. This is me. Um, but, but the reason why I bring this up is because what you're doing is so vitally important that when you secure yourself in this way behind a trust, all of a sudden your assets including your house your car your children your dog yourself your body are all of a sudden you're shielded y- yeah. you know and and again i mean we don't know this for certain correct me if i'm wrong we don't know this for certain but this to me looks like probably the most solid viable solution that we have right now to be quite yeah. frank yeah you know? i'll
1: um just paraphrase from our trust expert he said uh he said to me one day that if you have your birth certificate and your registration of live birth in your hands on you, you have your estate, you have proof that you are the the owner of your estate in your hands and they can't touch you. So it's, yes, it's, and I think it is powerful because a, a big fear I know with families is that there's a lot to lose period. But when you put on them that they have to start fighting this, it's you know, putting your family in harm's way on top of harm's way mm-hmm. is just too much to take. And what is beautiful about this process is that it already exists in the legal. You can get a CRA trust. That isn't a one way to start. You don't have to do it after you're sovereign. You can do it now. Um, it's, you know, any good accountant would probably tell you to start a trust and it's not something, you know, you have to wait to do if you wanted to do in the legal, but it is a peaceful process because you're not fighting anything. What you're doing, we mentioned earlier there, you, you remove all assumptions that you are uh, a slave under their system as a financial um, your trading certificate, which is basically what you are a trading instrument. So you're removing those assumptions and you're taking it back and they no longer have interest in you, literally and conceptually, they have no more interest in you. Um, And it is like Nicole said, it's not something that people haven't been doing for centuries. Mm -hmm. So it's a safe, lawful and legal process. And there are ways to build around the trust that make it completely bulletproof. So it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely a light in a very dark tunnel.
0: Love it. I love it so Mm -hmm. much. Honestly, I think it's great. So I'm excited. i got four days. I'm chomping at the bit here. I'm going to have to sharpen up my pencils. (laughs) I'm going to run out of ink. I don't know.
1: (laughs) I just want to clarify with anyone who may, um, because we've pretty much closed this this course, um, we right will probably now, open yeah. it up again uh, and later in the summer. Um, but that we do not build the trusts for you, but we have we do have a much, a really big vision on the other side of the course. And that involves, uh, the trust building, uh, with the expert and a much bigger vision for our future. So it's definitely, we're, we're building community first and foremost, we're building a community of people who are ready to, t- to, to, um, take that aligned action and really start protecting the family unit, which is what they're going after. Mm. And taking mm. back our, you know, I, I, I there's a whole aspect of God to this that I never thought would be involved in it, but you're really reclaiming the Christian values and the and the values of the family, and you're protecting them behind uh, a lawful wall. And that's one of the most important things we can do right now is protect families.
0: Mm. Awesome. I love that. And you know, I, I love that this is also a peaceful. It's, yeah. it's 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 peaceful. It's legal. It's lawful. It's like you don't have to get all crazy and you know and whatnot. Because I think a lot of people think that again, freedom, sovereignty. It's like let's bear arms. Like let's get out into the street. And it's like well, maybe we don't have to do that. I mean, clearly we don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Nicole, any any final words from your side before we wrap up?
2: No, I just I, I really think that. Um, Our our mantra through this and through the process that we've evolved through um, is to stop fighting and start writing and use your pen, use the power of your pen and the power of who you are to start to reestablish um, the life that you want to live and you know the the purpose of our course again as I said is very mindset driven because for us sovereignty is a state of mind before it becomes a state of being and you can't have one without the other and at the heart of this process is responsibility responsibility for yourself responsibility for your community um, your response ability which is your ability to respond to what's happening around you because a big part of it is also keeping your temper and being able to keep your yourself in check and that's really what we are hoping to accomplish and and bring to people through um this on notice course which is that sense of of ownership of self and and bringing you back into your body as a man or a woman um, of this earth uh to be able to move forward and build the vision um that you hope to see for yourself and for your family and to start creating a very sound legacy. This isn't just something that you do for yourself right now. You are literally rewriting and changing the course of the future for your family and you are creating a legacy of safety. And for us, that is paramount to anything that we could possibly possibly hope to do.
0: Yeah, I love it. And that's why, again, I just, I I love what you're up to. I think it's uh, so empowering and um, wow, what a vision awesome. All right, so let's wrap things up. Uh, Thanks so much for coming on the show. I loved it. Um, You know, I think um, those of you listening out there, uh, you might have to go back a couple times and just kind of um, rewind some things. Uh, What I would encourage you to do, though, is um, actually go on to 369 media.com. It's spelled out, so you just click the link in the show notes. It's the the 369. It's actually the letters, not just 369, the numbers. And, um, you know, there's a ton of resources there. Um, I would definitely get on um, there mailing list I would also check out some of their podcasts and interviews that they've done with people there's some really good stuff there (laughs) and um, yeah just get yourself educated get yourself empowered and um, let's start the process I think this is the way out to be honest with you and not only is it the way out um, this is the way that we change everything Because I'm envisioning, what if everyone had to go through this process? Wow. Well,
2: it's It's, the way through. It's not the way out, right? Yeah, right. There we go.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Perfectly put. All right. So thanks for tuning in. Um, And everyone, thanks for tuning in today. Um, I really hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. And um, as always, I think this is definitely one that you want to share with your friends, your family, your community. Uh, Check out the links in the show notes for a deep dive on some of the info. And um, you have yourself a beautiful day wherever you are.